Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'll be joined a little later by Lucas, Ken, and Thomas. But um, before we get to the meat and potatoes of this week's episode, we're just going to go over the Arizona Fall League and how the Mets players that are playing there are doing. So as mentioned, the Mets feeder team this year is the Peoria Javelinas. And at first I was hyped because the team name, the logo, and everything is cooler than, you know, the Rafters, um, which is the team that they've been playing with for the last three, four years, whatever. But one drawback that I've I've realized now is that the PRO Sports Complex does not have the technological stuff built in that the Salt River Field does. So we don't have StatCast data, which is definitely a bummer. But it is what it is. So we will go over the hitters first. And through week two of the season now, Stanley Consuegra is hitting 222, 222, 667 in two games with a double, a homer, no walks, and two strikeouts. Kevin Kendall is hitting 313, 450, 438 in eight games with a double, a homer, six walks, 10 strikeouts, and three stolen bases in three attempts. Brandon McIlwain, he is hitting 250, 286, 550 in five games with a double, a triple, a homer, one walk, and six strikeouts. And last, and I guess also least among the hitters, is Luke Ritter. And Luke Ritter is currently hitting 105, 
0-9-5-1-0-5 through five games with no extra base hits at all, no walks, and six strikeouts. And yes, his batting average is higher than his on-base percentage because of a, you know, the weirdness that goes on with sack flies and all that. So looking at pitchers now, uh, first one up is Grant Hartwig, and he has appeared in three games so far, and he has a 7.71 ERA in 4.1 innings with three hits allowed, one walk, and four strikeouts. Franklin Sanchez, he's appeared in two games, and he has a 4.50 ERA in two innings with one hit allowed, two walks, and two strikeouts. Christian Scott, he has appeared in two games, both of them were starts. And he currently has a 13.50 ERA in 5.1 innings with 14 hits allowed, two walks, and four strikeouts. Mike Vassell, he has appeared in two games. One of them is a start. The other one is a relief appearance. And he has an 8.44 ERA in 5.1 innings with four hits allowed, three walks, and three strikeouts. And finally, Josh Walker. And he's appeared in three games in total. And he currently has a 3.60 ERA in five innings with four hits allowed, three walks, and five strikeouts. All right, so this week we are going to begin reviewing the seasons that the Mets affiliates had, and it makes sense to just rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with. And by that, I mean talk about the 2022 Syracuse Mets. So as a refresher, they went 64-85 and 85 and were 21 and a half games behind the Durham Bulls for first place in the International League, and were basically out of it for the entire season. Uh, they lost their first four games, then they won a game, and then they lost their next six. So they literally found themselves in a giant hole at the beginning of the season. They ended up going 8-14 and 14 in April, which isn't terrible, but it's you know not great. But then they went 7-18 and 18 in May, which is definitely terrible. And they recovered just a little bit. In June, they went 16 and 11, and then in July they went 14 and 11. So two two months they were over 500. But then they had a terrible, terrible August, and they were just as bad in September. And that's how you end up with a 64 and 85 record. So was it all bad? Well, actually, yes, I think it actually was all that bad. Um, you know. Think about the Mets over the last couple of years when they've been bad. At least there have been some points of light in all that darkness, stuff that at least they could put, you know, in the uh, Mets yearbook reviews or, or whatever the shows are on SNY, where you at least could have, you know, clips from Dickie's Cy Young season, DeGrom's Cy Young seasons, Johan's no-hitter, the Wilmer Flores walk-off game, uh, a bunch of, like, crazy cesspitous things that he did, you know. At least there were moments in those bad seasons where you could say, wow, this game is fun. These games were good. Someone did good. Syracuse Mets this season, not so much. Me, Lucas, Ken Thomas, we've recapped every game of the season via, you know, transcribing the box scores and everything. We watched more than a few games. I went to Scranton to see a few games. I can't tell you a single memorable moment from the entire season. Like, no exceptionally pitched games, no crazy offensive performances, no cool comeback wins, like just nothing. It was just a whole bunch of bleh. So why was Syracuse such a dud this year? Basically, everything everything was bad. They basically sucked at everything. With the bats, 
Um, the team as a whole hit 239, 326, 394, which is a 720 OPS, and that was fourth worst not just in the division, but in the entire International League. So they were 16 out of 20 with OPS, you know, the kind of best measure, I guess, for um, overall offensive performance here in the minors that we could use. They were a little better in, in home runs. They were 11 out of 20. Um, that was, I guess, the one thing that they did do well. Daniel Polka, he led the team with 26, and that was good for fifth in the league. And Mark Vientos was second on the team with 24, and that was tied for seventh. But they were just bad. And pitching was even worse. The team as a whole, they posted a collective 516 ERA, which was 19 out of 20 in the International League. Not good. They allowed 1,313 hits, which is fifth worse. They walked 609, which is sixth worse. And they struck out 1,266 batters, which was 16 out of 20. So hitting, not good. Pitching, not good. It is not a good recipe. Obviously, you know, you have guys cycling up and down in the minor leagues, guys getting promoted to the Mets, guys maybe getting sent back to, down, to, down to Binghamton, you know, but even with that in mind, the, the pitching situation in particular was really bad. It was it was comical, really. Five guys, only five guys made more than 10 starts. Six, if you want to include Tim Adelman, he made nine starts, you know, so if you want to round up, okay, fine. But out of those six guys that made at least 10 starts, you know who was the best? Thomas Zapucky, who he made 16 starts prior to the trade deadline when he got sent to San Francisco, and he posted a 3.38 ERA with 54 hits allowed, 29 walks, and 87 strikeouts, which is actually one off of the team lead Connor Gray had, uh, you know, 80, 88. Connor Gray, though, struck out 88 in 104 innings, which is basically almost double of Thomas Zapucky's 64. So that kind of puts things in perspective. Um, those other starters... Nate Fisher, he had an ERA that was a full run higher than Zabucki in the in the in the high fours. Jose Rodriguez, you know, a run and a half, and then Tim Adelman, Connor Gray, and Mike Montgomery, they all had ERAs in the sixes, and these are the guys that are logging the most innings on the team. So, when most of your <laughs> starters have ERAs that are in the sixes, things are not going to be going well, and they certainly did not go well for Syracuse. Um, if you had a, an MVP for the team, I guess that would, well, not I guess, that definitely then goes to Mark Vientos, and, you know, he had a, a genuinely good season, just like last year and, and 2019, he started off slowly, but then he reached his stride like a month, month and a half in, and overall, pretty, pretty solid numbers, in 101 games, he hit 280, 358, 519, with 24 home runs, 44 walks, and 122 strikeouts. As we see, though, when he got promoted, when Brett Beatty got promoted, when Francisco Alvarez got promoted, Khalil Lee, Nick Plummer, whoever else, AAA start stats don't translate to MLB one-to-one. And Mark Vientos, going forward, you know, he is not going to be a near 300 hitter with a uh, 877 OPS in the majors. But, you know, credit where credit is due. He had he had a pretty good season. Um, Vientos, is, is, he's definitely a flawed player. 
you know, he's a floor player with a bat, and he does not give you a whole bunch of defensive value. But I do think that the pendulum has gone a little too far in the direction of, um, you know, Vientos sucking. That's not the right word to use, but I think you know what I mean. The pendulum has gone too far in that direction. He, he doesn't get enough credit. And, you know, I don't mean that by, you know, people I, – I, I don't mean people who just kind of, you know, see some surface-level stats. They don't see anything past him hitting 280 or, or hitting 24 home runs or whatever. You know, I mean people that kind of – you know, the, the people that would listen to this podcast, all three of you out there, and, you know, the people that follow our daily prospect reports and the people that – you know, have more than a surface level, more than just kind of cursory knowledge of the minors. The people that do actually follow it. I think that Vientos' light has unfairly dimmed in a lot of people's eyes. You know, he, he was the second youngest player in the league. Only Gunnar Henderson was younger than him. And he was 30% better than average. Um, you know, the biggest issue I've seen with Vientos is that he is either he's hard to coach or he just can't physically fix the flaws that he has in terms of, you know, picking up breaking balls and the the wrist control to adjust his swing, which is kind of long. And those are big issues. I don't want to gloss over anything like that. But, you know, a guy like Bobby Dalbeck with Red Sox, he can get a roster spot at the major league level and have value. And, you know, I think that Mark Vientos can do the same. Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, Dalbeck is probably the best case scenario. And I'm not going to say that Vientos is going to reach that, you know, 90th percentile outcome. But, you know, he he is a guy that can have, you know, we've seen that players like in, in this mold can have value. So I think that there's no reason to write off Vientos at this point in time. It's not like he's... Uh, a 28 year old who has been given chance time and time and time again, and he just can't hack it, literally hack it. He is, you know, a 20, he just turned 22. Actually, he's not even 22. Oh, excuse me. He is 22. He's about to turn 23. He's put up good numbers in the upper minors, and he's really, he, he got kind of a week long cup of coffee, if, if even that long, in a pretty, high pressure, you know, environment. So I don't think we should be writing him off just yet, even though, yes, there are kind of major red flags to uh, him as an offensive player that we should be aware of. But, you know, who knows what's going to be with his future. In terms of pitching MVP, honestly, like, I honestly don't even think there was one. You know, and and don't feel the need to really get into as much detail as I did there with Vientos and, and hitting MVP. You know, as mentioned, all the starters were bad. That now we're looking at a pool of relievers, which is, yeah, you know, I guess Steven Nugasek was the best of the bunch. He had a 2.30 ERA over 31 games, with 31 hits allowed, a 3.1 walks per nine, and 11.1 strikeouts per nine. No offense to him, you know, it, it's. Hard to get excited about Steven Nogasek. So, you know, I guess pitching MVP, Steven Nogasek. Woohoo. Um, so, what should we expect from the Syracuse Mets next year? Uh, to be honest, 
I feel like 2023 is going to be a lot of the same. Um, the main stars of this 2022 team, Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, to a lesser degree, Nogasek or maybe Jose Budo, uh, Bryce Mondes de Oka, Eric Orzi, Jake Mangum, you know, the, the, the supplementary guys to kind of put up decent numbers with Syracuse in limited games or in, in limited innings this year. Those are the those are the players I don't think are going to be in Syracuse for a particularly long period of time, or that they're they're not going to be there enough to really have an impact on wins and losses or anything like that. Guys like Beatty and Vientos and Alvarez I think are going to be shuttled up and down between the majors and the minors. Um, same thing with some of the pitchers, you know. So. I don't expect the guys that are high on our prospect lists to really have major impacts on the wins, the everyday wins and losses in Syracuse, just because, you know, the Mets getting to the Mets and the Mets winning is the main priority. So I think that those guys will be utilized in such a way that their maxim that their skills are maximized to help the Mets win and not help Syracuse win, which is, which is how it's supposed to be. And then looking at players that are a little low on the on the minor league rungs on the on the ladder you know guys that are in St. Lucie and Brooklyn this year they're going to be in Brooklyn and Binghamton next year so i expect Syracuse to be a sub 500 team next year but maybe you know 2024 if if we live to 2024 and beyond maybe Syracuse will be good then um but you know as i expect Syracuse to be Next year, I think it's going to be a sub-500 team. I think the bats will maybe, maybe be solid to maybe even above average. But again, uh, there's no pitching help on the horizon. And pitching is going to be, once again, laughably bad for the Syracuse Mets. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the Syracuse Mets had kind of a forgettable 2022 season. Um, they were 20 games below 500, uh, had kind of a rough year all year, and um, you know really just kind of showed the lack of depth in the upper minors of uh, the Mets, you know, system. At one point or another, they they did have some very you know very good players, um, you know, Brett Batty was there for about six games. Francisco Alvarez uh, spent the latter half of the season until his call up there and, um, you know, had kind of a 
a rough go of it to start, but adjusted as he went and uh, finished the season with an above-average line. Uh, Mark Vientos, I would think, might be uh, their offensive MVP. Um, He hit 24 homers and 16 doubles, uh, a lot of extra base hits, um, ultimately hit 280, 358, 519. That's an 877 OPS um, in his 101 games there. Um, yeah, offensively, they, they had a lot of um, several of the team's top you know prospects in the system. Pitching was a completely different story. Um, probably the, the ace of the staff for a lot of the year would be Jose Buto, maybe. Um, Buto started seven games. Uh, he put up a 2.45 ERA in about 36 innings, gave up uh, 26 hits, 10 runs, Struck out 30, so a little under, strike out an inning, and uh, walked nine. Um, yeah, so Jose Budo had a pretty good year. Um, really just served as like a, um, a holding pen for the, the big league, uh, you know, bullpen and, and rotation. Uh, not much prospect talent. Uh, Thomas Zapucky, uh former top prospect before, you know, he had troubles coming back from, from injury. Uh, he was traded out of the system um, in the deal that brought Darren Ruff um, to the Mets. Colin Holderman, another guy on this leaderboard, um, he was traded um, to Pittsburgh for Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, so it was kind of the, – the pitching staff didn't really have any prospect depth. It was mostly just, um, you know, guys who might not be exciting but uh, are needed when – you know, you have an injury on the road and need need a fresh arm, or when your your starter comes out after two and, and you know you need length from somebody who who hasn't pitched. Um, looking at the roster, it, it's pretty easy to see why the team wasn't all that good. Um, pitching particularly uh, was a pretty big issue. Um, but next year. I'm not sure if things are going to get much better. Uh, you figure Alvarez leaves uh, for the big league roster. Uh, if not right away, then fairly soon after. Batty's not probably – he might go down for a little bit, but he's probably going to spend the bulk of the, the big league season in Queens. And um, really it's just going to be Ronnie Mauricio continuing to try to figure out how to hit uh, advanced breaking balls. So I don't know if there's help to be had. Um, perhaps there's a hope that uh, Kevin Parada somehow uh, mashes his way to AAA in, in his first full year. Or maybe Blake Tidwell I could see spending most of the year there if he gets off to a particularly hot start at high A and, you know, proves that he, he should be <laughs> in the high minors. Uh, if that happens early on, you never know with pitchers, uh, especially a guy who's you know fairly polished, even if there's uh, a few deficits to his game, uh, namely the breaking ball. Um, he, you know, the fastball's great and was was overwhelming for you know the level of competition he was facing this season. Uh, and I don't know why I'm talking about him. Blake Tidwell, him the Syracuse Mets um, review, but you know I digress. I, I can see a world where he pitches well, gets a promotion early to. Um, you know, double A, 
and then pitches there until, I don't know, maybe like June or July and gets the end of the season in AAA. Uh, especially if there's something to play for, which, you know, we'll see. But anyway, yeah, the 2022 Syracuse Mets, kind of boring, but um, served, you know, relatively valiantly in, in keeping the uh, the big league roster with, you know, fresh arms from time to time. The Syracuse Mets, who went who ended the year with a 64-85 and 85 record, were, as you can imagine, not a good baseball team. They were mostly, offensively, they were carried by... M- Basically, Mark Vientos and Daniel Polka. And Polka, while he had a very good year, it's 263, 334, 506, and that's great, and we love to see it. It's He's a 30-year-old corner outfielder who had some major league success, but for the most part is not a successful major league player. Uh, Dominic Smith was down there and played well while he was there, but it was clearly because he wasn't able to do anything in the major league level. Jake Mangum had a strong year. Francisco Alvarez ended up having a pretty good year, all told, considering how poorly he started before he got his very late season call-up. But there was just not much to this baseball team. And it's it's just another aspect of the—we've talked about this ad nauseum. There's another aspect of how weak the system is right now at the top. Um, we're going to be talking about this over the over the course of the entire winter, I'm sure, when the Mets start making moves and they start— maybe trading people, or they start signing a lot of veterans. It's just, there's no one really on this roster who can who can be a big help to the Major League Ball Club outside of Brett Beatty, who played like four games for them. I think it was, it was six games, in fact. Or Francisco Alvarez. Those two will be up. I'm sure they will make the opening day roster, if not start in Syracuse for a very small amount of time and then come up, because they already started their Major League clocks and everything. I also I doubt that the Mets are going to be in the business of manipulating any type of service time because we're trying they're trying to win baseball games and they're they're telling you that to your face so I would be a little surprised if they turn around and do that. It's just it was just a, a rough year for Syracuse and a, that feels like it was like that every year. But the I would say the main caveat against Syracuse is that they didn't have the that one or two those one or two guys where you could be like oh yeah that's worth watching like Binghamton for example we'll talk about next week did um Brett Beatty like I said played six games for the Syracuse and Francisco Alvarez only played 45 games and that was surrounded by an ankle injury so it just wasn't a lot of game time for the really top prospects of the system so there was a lot of the bottom of the system playing and the pitching was even worse than the hitting, because at least some of the hitters performed. Like they had, uh, Travis Blankenhorn had a strong season, OPSing 807. Jake Mangum, like I said, OPS 836. Mark Vientos, even though he very much struggled in the majors, OPS 877. And even they had a bunch of guys in the 700s, like JT Riddle was solid, Kramer Robinson was okay, Patrick Mazika was okay, Nick Meyer was okay, and Khalil Lee was up and down as. We talked about a ton on this podcast where he got bad enough where he got sent down and then he got called back up and then he kind of was good for a while. But the pitching was even worse. Almost every good, almost every pitcher that they threw was just struggling all year. Steven, Steven Nagosik was quite good and he ended up getting major league time, um, ending with a 2-3 ERA. But a lot of their bullpen was RJ Alvarez, 3.55 ERA. Alex Claudio, three, uh, four ERA. Like, there was just not a lot of... There just wasn't a lot of 
good pitching on this roster. There's a lot of ERAs in the fours and fives and sixes. A lot of guys who will be... For example, their team ERA was 5-1-6, and that's just not what you want. I know ERA is not the best stat in the world, but it's very easy to point to that and see that these pitchers are just not good on the whole. And it's going to be a lot of turnover there, I'm sure. There's going to be a lot more veterans, a lot more of the Philip Deals and the Tim Adelmans and the uh, Adonis Medinas and Nate Fishers of the world where the Mets have to cycle these guys because they have to figure out if they could strike lightning in a bottle and get one or if they could or if they're going to just have to keep doing this over and over again until they start developing their own, which is difficult. And I'm not saying it's easy. But the Mets have to be smart and be on the ball about getting the next set. Rob Zestrinsky and figuring out if he could, if they can unlock something with him. And they have to claim guys off waivers and stuff like that. So these guys will 100% cycle in and out, and that'll be the case for Syracuse. But Syracuse next year should be, I would assume, a little bit better just because it's hard to get worse than 64 and 85. And the Mets are very clearly aggressive on signing minor league free agents now. They signed a lot of them. They signed Nick Plummer and Sam McWilliams two years in a row. And while neither of those worked out, one of them, if you keep taking shots in that level of minor league free agent, one of them will eventually pan out and you'll find someone. And that that, that person might figure it out at Syracuse. So Syracuse right now is really just major league like a practice squad almost for the lack of a better term, just a way to keep rotational arms ready and keep uh, potential bats for the bench ready because there's just not a lot of prospects at the upper levels. And it's not going to be, there's not going to be prospects at the upper levels for the next few years. So it's sad for Syracuse that they're going to have to kind of suffer through some really lean years prospect wise and talent wise. But That's what happens when you have bad drafts and you mess up your drafts and you have poor player development is you just don't get guys to get to this level because all your guys are exciting prospects when they're young and then they flame out. So, yeah, Syracuse, which is bad. I mean, it's really hard to pay. It's it's there's not much to paper over it because the top prospects didn't really play there and they they didn't really have time to make an impact. And Alvarez, when he was there, was hitting on the interstate for a long time. He ended up figuring out, and obviously a lot of that was bat related and he was still walking, and it was fine. I'm not saying it was bad, but even when Alvarez got called up, it was a little it was a little more underwhelming than you would like, even though it wasn't completely awful because there was a lot of good things on the periphery. It was just not very exciting. It just was not a very exciting time for the Syracuse Mets. That is our show for the week. So thank you for listening. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahost343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.